Things don't seem right, do they? We have a God who is holy and righteous in every way, and a God who, who hates and despises sin. I mean, God is the one who, who wiped off every living thing from the face of the earth when he sent the flood in Noah's time to, to punish the unrighteousness that was so prevalent. God is the one who rained down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah for how sinful and corrupt they had become. We know that God is serious about punishing sin. But as you consider this about God, and as you look at our world today, things just don't seem right, do they? I mean, both believers and unbelievers experience hardships and difficulties in this life. Sickness, disease, financial hardship, and the list can go on. And both believers and unbelievers also experience all kinds of joys and blessings in this life. The family, car, job, daily needs provided for, and the list can go on there as well. That as you look at the world today, there really doesn't seem to be much that distinguishes believers from unbelievers. So does this mean that God is now indifferent to sin? Because if God truly hated and despised sin, then then shouldn't we see evidence of it in our world today? Because it seems like we can't, does this mean that God is now turning a blind eye to it? As we consider who our God is, and as we look at our world today, things just don't seem right, do they? Now, lean up to our verses for today. Paul writes what some consider to be the most beautiful verses in his letter to the Romans, where Paul says that he isn't ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. And he then states that in God's word, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is given by God's grace through faith. And after writing these beautiful verses where Paul speaks about how the righteous will live by faith, well, this leads to our verses for today where Paul takes a complete 180-degree turn and where he now talks about those without faith in Christ, that instead of receiving God's righteousness, well, they are instead receiving God's wrath. Indeed, God's wrath is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of people. Ever since the fall into sin, God has shown his righteous anger against all that is evil by bringing his wrath against it. And God's wrath and anger aren't like human anger that flares up for a time and then subsides. No, God's wrath and anger is a constant and consistent hatred and despisal of everything that has to do with with evil. God couldn't be holy and righteous and not hate and despise sin. And even though it may not seem like it, God's wrath is actually coming upon the unrighteous here, now, and in our world today. But before Paul explains how God's righteous wrath is coming upon the unrighteous in our world today, he first explains why God is angry with the unrighteous. The reason God is angry with the unrighteous is because they try to suppress the truth by unrighteousness. A basic characteristic of sinful mankind is is an inherent and unyielding opposition 
to the truth. And Paul, in stating that they suppress the truth, rather than than simply stating that they're ignorant or just don't know the truth, is to highlight the fact that what can be known about God is evident among them because God made it evident among them. And Paul here is talking about what we call the natural knowledge of God, the knowledge which each and every person has that testifies to the existence of God, that as we look at the world, creation, well, there must be a creator. And not only does creation testify to the fact that there is a God and give this knowledge to each and every person, this knowledge also gives evidence of God's invisible characteristics, his eternal power and his divine nature. And because the natural knowledge of God has been clearly seen since the creation of the world, because they are understood from the things he made, well, Paul makes this point that in making these things known, God's desire is for all people to give praise, glory, and honor to God. And it's also God's desire that all people seek him out so that they can learn the fullness of who he is as he reveals that in his word. But instead of giving praise, glory, and honor to God, and instead of desiring to seek him out, Paul states that the unrighteous have instead responded to this knowledge by suppressing the truth which is testified to in creation. Which is why Paul then says that these people are without excuse. Because even though they knew God, they did not honor him or give him thanks as God. Instead, their thinking became nonsense and their senseless heart was darkened. By their own willful suppression and refusal to give glory and thanks to God, the unrighteous have led themselves into a darkened condition, a condition which they only have themselves to blame for. And the worst part of it is that while they claim to be wise, they have become fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human or like birds, four-footed animals, and crawling things. But not only did the unrighteous back then refuse to, to give glory and praise to God, but they did something that was completely backwards. They created images and idols with their own hands, which they then worshipped. But they, as the Creator, worshipped their very own creation. And this is the height of foolishness. And Paul explains that by exchanging the immortal God for these mortal man-made images, well, they've really led themselves onto a dark and dangerous path. As we hear about the situation that, that Paul was really addressing back then of people suppressing the truth, it doesn't sound all too different from what we experience in our world today does it? And people suppressing the truth about God as it's revealed through creation, and people suppressing the truth about God as he also reveals it in his word for the so-called wisdom of the world. That the wisdom or the wise thing to do back then was to worship these man-made idols and images. And the wise thing to do now, here, and today is to, to trust and believe each and every conclusion that the, the scientists and philosophers come to, even if it contradicts what is revealed in creation. 
And because these conclusions can seem to be so obvious to so many, it's, it's no wonder that they consider us to be dumb, stupid, and ignorant. But maybe this leads you to feel frustrated with the world today. Because we who know the truth, well, it's so obvious to us because our eyes have been opened by the truth of the gospel. Our eyes have been opened by God himself. And it seems like there's no way to open the eyes of those who continue to suppress the truth. Maybe this leads you to wish that God's righteous wrath and anger would just come down on all of the unrighteous living now, here, and today so that you no longer have to deal with their insults anymore. Or maybe you wish God's righteous wrath and anger would just come down on all the unrighteous in our world today so that you would no longer face the temptation uh, of struggling to hold on to the truth of the gospel message when the so-called wisdom of the world at times can can seem so very tempting. I mean, wouldn't things be so much better if God would just wipe out all of the unrighteousness so that his truth could prosper? But as we heard in our gospel for today, this just isn't going to happen. God is going to continue to allow us to live as wheat among weeds. God is going to allow us as believers to continue living in the midst of unbelievers in this sinful world. And maybe this leads you to be somewhat frustrated with God because you know that He has the power to do something about this situation. But once we set aside our own desire for God to simply wipe out all the unrighteousness in our world today, we see that God actually has a beautiful purpose and reason for allowing us to live in this situation. It's so that we can go out into the world and to proclaim the gospel message. The message which has the power to bring someone out of their darkened, sinful condition and into the light, to the truth of the gospel message. It's this message which brought us out of our darkened, sinful condition And let us to trust and believe in God and to see him for who he truly is, the loving, compassionate, and gracious God. And it's this message that as we go out and proclaim it, will bring so many of the unrighteous from their darkened, sinful condition to faith as well. To see God for who he truly is, the loving, gracious, and compassionate God who desires to pour out his love on all people. What about those who remain in their unrighteousness? What about those who continue to suppress the truth as it's revealed in creation? And what about those who suppress the truth as it's revealed in God's word? Is God really going to wait until the end of the age, until he brings his righteous wrath and anger against them? Well, as our verses continue, Paul explains that God is actually bringing his righteous wrath and anger against the unrighteous now, here, and today. And he's doing that by handing them over to the impurity of degrading their own bodies among themselves as they follow the sinful desires of their hearts. For such people have traded the truth about God for the lie, worshiping and serving the creation 
rather than the Creator. But in response to the unrighteous, exchanging Him, the immortal God, for these mortal images and idols, God is handing them over to the sinful desires of their hearts. And just to be clear, God is not the one who's causing the sin. What God does is push those who suppress the truth into the realm of sin which they have hardened themselves in. And do you see the severity of what Paul is saying here? Those who have abandoned God by their own willful suppression are in turn abandoned by God as he uses their very own sin to punish them. This is how God is bringing about his righteous wrath and anger against the unrighteous in our world now, here, and today. And after speaking so long uh, about the sinful depravity of mankind and, and God's righteous wrath and anger against it, Paul continues with a spontaneous outburst of adoration towards God where he says that God is worthy of praise forever. I mean, it's almost as if Paul comes up for a breath of fresh air after speaking about so many harsh realities and truths for so long, reminding his hearers that God is worthy of praise. But as we've heard Paul in our verses for today, does God sound like a God that we should praise, or does he more so sound like a God that we should be fearful of? Because if all we had to go off of was our verses before us today, we certainly would have a lot to be afraid of. Always wondering if the next sin we fell into was going to be the last straw. That if the next sin we fell into, God was going to say enough and just hand us over to the sinful desires of our hearts. If all we had to go off of was our verses before us today, we certainly would have a lot to be afraid of. But remember those beautiful verses that come right before our verses for today. Those verses where Paul speaks about a righteousness from God that comes to ones like you and me. And as we open up the fullness of God's word, we see how God has won this righteousness for each and every one of us. And as we do that, we see that not only is God serious about punishing and bringing his righteous wrath against sin, we see that God was also very serious about providing a solution to our greatest problem of sin. And God did that by sending his very own son, Jesus, into this world. Jesus, who set aside his, his eternal glory so that he could take on flesh and serve as the perfect substitute for sinful mankind. The one who lived a perfect life in our place, never once giving in to any sin or any temptation. Doing this all so that he could willfully walk the path to the cross and serve as the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. And as he hung on the cross, taking on the sins of the world upon himself, yours and mine included, he endured the full wrath that each and every one of those sins deserved, being forsaken by God, suffering hell in your place, so that he could shed his holy and precious blood 
to win for you the forgiveness of all of your sins. And this just doesn't seem right, does it? That God would go to these lengths for someone like you and me who at one time was living in the darkness of our sinful condition. But God was not only willing to do this because he loved each and every one of us so much, but because it was his joy that God desired to not only make you his own, but to make sure nothing would ever tear you from his hands. And because God has done this for you, you can know that when the last day comes, that God will neither abandon nor forsake you. Rather, God will take you to be with him in your everlasting home in heaven. Amen.